Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to the Friday edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Yes, we made it. We made it. We got it through another week, and uh, and there's a lot going on. We had a lot of news. I think the fallout from the Eric Greitens uh, filing this week against the prosecutor who pursued them is still uh, one of many big stories that will play out over the next few months. There is some accountability starting to come for those who have weaponized law enforcement. Big stuff, big ideas. Uh, maybe finally the big boomerang will have come back and punished those who misused their positions of authority. Now, today uh, we've got a really fun guest. I want to spend the entire time with her. Kimberly Klasik is joining us. She is the young woman, the young Republican from Baltimore who made that viral video walking through the streets of Baltimore last year, uh, had a better than um, uh, expected showing, really pretty strong showing in a, a, a Dem thir- plus 30 district in Baltimore and has begun to have a conversation in urban America and in Baltimore specifically about the record, the 60-year record of all Democratic rule in some of these big cities and what we get out of it. I think she's also another person in the Republican Party that realizes the biggest underbelly of the big government response to COVID is parents' frustrations about the failure to get their children in school. She's been very articulate on this. I think she sees something that maybe a lot of other Republicans are missing right now. This could be the ballot box issue of 2022. I think she argues we're going to talk to her about that. Um, she's just a young, vibrant uh, minority voice in the Republican Party who's having an impact, who's having candid, authentic conversations, not screech and preach, but real conversations with real data, real ideas, real thoughts. She's got a super PAC. She's working at the London Center, a great think tank in New York. And uh, we want you to hear from her directly. So we're going to spend the whole day with her. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, our exclusive interview with Kimberly Klasik. You're not going to want to miss this. It's a fun conversation. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, somebody whose impact on the 2020 election is much larger than uh, a lot of folks, I think, realize. Kimberly Klasik is joining us. You may remember her as the candidate from Maryland in the congressional uh, seat there near Baltimore, whose vi- uh, video went viral, whose message really took off in the, in the summer and fall of last year. Kimberly, great to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're doing so many fun things. I guess you're a fellow at the, at the London Center right now. Yes, I am. Very excited about that. Uh, you know, Tony Schaefer is over there. It's a good friend of mine. Uh, but I'm excited. You know, it's, it's an organization to basically engage in research on uh, policy issues. So things from energy to risk analysis, national security. So it's basically putting me out of my comfort zone, which I like. <laughs> Stretching. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be learning more, too, at the same time, so I love it. Wow, that's that's great. And uh, I know you got a pack, right? You run a pack, so there's a lot of things going on. You're, you're, uh, your influence continues continues to grow, and I, I talk to lots of people each day who hear from you or see things that you're saying, and they, they keep saying, you know, she's connecting with something that's been in the back of my mind for a long time, and she brought it to the frontal lobe. It's really kind of interesting, the impact your, your you know, uh, conservatism and your, your message has been, uh, what it's been doing for people. What was it like last year? I mean, let's bring people back. Uh, Baltimore is a blue, blue town. And all of a sudden, a Republican candidate gets all of this attention in the House race. What was that moment like when your YouTube video went viral and people realized, wow, this this is going to be a real race? Yeah, um, that was insane. You know, at first, you know, I ran the special election because uh, the passing of Congressman Elijah Cummings opened up the seat in, in 7th District in Maryland. Right. It is. It's a D plus 30 district, deep, deep blue. Um, but, you know, when you look around Baltimore City and you see the crumbling infrastructure, you see the crime, the violence, the, the poor education system, and then you realize how much money is actually being put into the city that never hits the ground, mm. um, you just know that it's corruption, you know, or, or even waste or mismanagement. So right. I thought, you know what, why not get in there and make a change? Uh, you know, Betty Johnson from Turning Point approached me about making the campaign ad. Uh, he said, I love your message. I think we can put in a three-minute video. Uh, we went to work. And so when it went viral, uh, please believe none of us thought that this was going to be a viral video. It, it was literally me walking down the street talking about the problems in Baltimore. Um, but I think at that point in time, uh, people just wanted to hear the truth, you know. And, and I think that people, like you said, some people were already mentioning, you know, I've been thinking about this. But people realize it's like an open secret, you know. Democrats a lot of times will ask for a lot of federal funds. The money will go to these cities. Uh, but it never hits the ground. Yeah. And so, you know, I think it was just at that moment, that time of just being able to stand up, you know, to that Democrat machine uh, and, didn't, you know, of course, feeling so small while doing it. Uh, I think it got a lot of attention because, hey, you know what? This girl's given a shot. And, and so people, I think, were enjoying that. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, it's funny. Baltimore has forever had powerful uh, Democrats representing it that were in the highest echelons of of government. I mean, Nancy Pelosi's dad was a was a big political figure there. Elijah Cummins was a larger than life figure. Despite all the proximity to power, despite all the you know, the billions of dollars that have flown to the city over the years, you're right. There seems to be all these middlemen that control the money, and it never gets to the people to have the impact on the ground that you know, everyone professes is their goal. 
how do we break that cycle? I mean, you've talked a lot about this, and I think you made it a big part of your your campaign message last year of how you're going to break that cycle. Do you think it's possible to break the cycle and start to get opportunity uh, down to the people who need it most? Yeah, I think it is possible. Um, you know, I, like in the video, I talked about how Democrat has started, Democrats have controlled Baltimore for 53 years. You know, when you have that one-party mob rule, I mean, even on both sides, that one-party mob rule, it brings corruption. And, you know, they're always looking out for their friends. No one seems to really hold anybody accountable. There's no transparency. And so I think, if, you know, just voting for a different party, you know, changing hands, opening those books, you know, figuring out where the money's going, and then at the same time, you know, changing the policies. I mean, it's no secret that we need conservative policies uh, in Baltimore, right? We are such a liberal area. Uh, we're very soft on criminals. Our, you know, we've got 10 times the national homicide rate. And we need to start really enforcing the law. You know, there's a lot of lawlessness going on around here. And so I think it may be time for a conservative. Uh, you know, it's just convincing, I guess, uh, the residents uh, about the differences and it's trying to educate them about the different policies that could change the trajectory of their lives and their children's future. And so, you know, when I talked about school choice, uh, when I talked about bringing more careers to the Baltimore City Courts, you know, we used to be a manufacturing powerhouse. Right. A lot of people talk about, like, yeah, you know, there aren't any career opportunities around here. And I said, yeah, that's a huge, huge thing that we're missing. And, and that's why President Trump was so on board, uh, because, you know, I talked to his administration about bringing some of that uh, billion-dollar medical equipment industry back through the Baltimore port um, and, and really getting that manufacturing back here to the states. And so, you know, when you look around the country and you see a lot of cities that used to rely on manufacturing and you look at them now uh, versus what, you know, what they were doing back in the 80s and 90s, uh, you can see where the downward spiral began. And yeah. so we've got to get to that. And you have this remarkable port. I mean, it's one of the largest points of business in the world. And it doesn't make sense that Maryland, Baltimore doesn't get the benefit that what happens is they truck it out of there, uh, all those supplies, and they take them to manufacturing facilities in other states. And that is a cycle of lost opportunity that Democrats have have persisted for quite some time. I mean, the port is vibrant, but the um, the opportunity seems to disperse beyond Baltimore right after, right after the... Um, the cargo gets in and that that's such a, a remarkable opportunity. Now you warned, you, you talked about that, you know, and uh, that, Hey, this cycle is not going to stop. And I think this spring we are seeing in Baltimore than the surge of violence, all of the outcomes of the defund police, uh, the continued malaise over uh, crime. W when you look at the state of your city over the last six weeks, uh, what does it say to you? Yeah. Uh, it's so sad. You know, we, we had on um, the first weekend of May, we had a mass student. Now, this didn't even make national news, but, you know, four people were hit. I mean, it was mm. over 70 cell cases that were found at the scene. Wow. Uh, a, a barbecue, like a regular cookout for an entire neighborhood in Carroll Park, Baltimore. Uh, and then that was on a Sunday. The following day, uh, on a Monday, we had eight people shot, three fatally. And so this is something that just occurs commonly now. And so now we have this uh, mayor, Mayor Brandon Scott, who is a self-proclaimed progressive. And so for him, you know, his focus and his priorities isn't on the crime and violence. You know, he says he's, he's talking about climate change, he's talking about COVID, you know, everything but what we truly need. And so I think people need to really understand, you know, who they're voting for, 
Uh, I know that everybody hated the fact that President Trump would tweet, and, you know, people would say, oh, he has such mean tweets, and is this and that, and, you know, we can't govern based on emotion, right? Right. It's like going to the grocery store while hungry. You know, we've got to govern <laughs> based on what's going on and, and actually tackle the issues uh, at hand. But, you know, the virus has been so out of control. Um, it's, it's insane that we don't have more people or more hands on deck. Uh, I recently called out the congressman, uh, Congressman Asume, that beat me in my race in District 7. Right. Uh, and please know, most of these murders are happening in District 7. Um, and so, you know, he hasn't said a word. He hasn't been around since Election Day. Um, but this should be an all-hands-on-deck effort, you know. And, and so I'm hoping that, you know, at some point in time, people will wake up and understand that they just deserve better. Yeah, and there's a lot of lip service, right? And and it's interesting. I, I, I've said this on the podcast in the past. I think last summer I went out to Milwaukee to visit some family, and a uh, fellow stopped me on the street in the city of Milwaukee and said to me, uh, why don't you talk, when you, when you do your stuff, John, why don't you talk about this? Democrats always have a glass ceiling for urban, uh, poor, uh, African-American minority voters, and it is the best you're ever going to do is maybe minimum wage and welfare. And we don't want that. We want to, we want the first rung on the ladder because once we're on the ladder, we're going to climb ourselves up. Why, why is it that uh, Democrats aren't called out for having such low expectations for, for uh, minority urban uh, poor areas of America? And, you know, it's funny. It, it, that, that guy's voice still resonates in my head. It's been almost a year since I had that conversation. But is there a point where these communities realize that they've been getting the same story for 60 years and there's a chance that why not just take a one-time chance and see if you can break the cycle. Do you think we're reaching that moment in places like Baltimore or Chicago or any, you know, LA now, which has you know, got all sorts of problems. Uh, do you think some of these big cities say, ah, what the heck, why not take a shot? I think in some areas, you know, like I'll say, for example, in our race, the most Republican has gotten in Baltimore city with 3,500 votes. We ended up getting 40,000 votes, right? right? changed a lot of minds and that was because we were literally on the ground talking to people every single day uh, which was even tough during COVID right because we right. were supposed to be out and about in the pandemic so there were a lot of times where, where we couldn't get out there um, but I think you know once you explain it to someone in, in very in simple terms and politely you know I, I like to say we want to persuade them to vote for us right right not jawbone uh, them right I love the provocative language, you know, I love people that get out there and, and do their get in the face kind of deal, but that's not going to persuade people to vote for you, you know? Um, and so we wanted to make sure that we stick to people on their level and how to under, help them understand what's going on. Um, but, you know, you, you've got the media and you've got so many people combating you at the same time. I mean, the, the big narrative around me and my race was I supported a white supremacist, you know, President Trump. And so when we would meet some people, they would say, well, he's, he's a racist, he's this, he's that. And, and I would say to them, look, even if you feel that way, please tell me how he is influencing your life and your quality of life. And was it the same way before he got in office in 2016, right? So you, you really start to make them think about these things. You know, even if you feel that way about him, fine. But I have to ask, is your life affected by him in any way? And so, you know, it, it's, it's tough, um, but I think the more and more you talk to people on their level, the better it is going to get. Um, but, you know, please know we're, we're combating the narrative all the time. You know, you see now across the country, they're talking about critical race theory. Right. You know, everything is racist. Everything is 
Uh, we're no longer even attempting to judge people by the content of their character, as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said he had a dream to do. Um, you know, it's, it's about race. We're judging everybody by the color of their skin. And so, unfortunately, we're combating that at the same time as trying to get people to understand, you know, the difference of voting for someone with conservative values. Yeah, listen, you, all you have to do is go to some stats, right? The, the largest reduction in American poverty occurred on, uh, in a half a century occurred on Donald Trump's watch. The economy, when the economy grows and there aren't restrictions on the flow of growth, uh, all of a sudden it does start to go down to the people who've been kept out of the economic opportunities for a long time. And so, you know, poverty uh, uh, went down, uh, unemployment went down in historic levels in all categories of Americans, white, uh, black, Hispanic, young, old. It, uh, there are really great factors. And it seems like sometimes the, the, the race stuff, the Russia stuff, I mean, there's all these red herrings that the Democrats throw out there. And I think it's designed to distract from the actual progress that some of these common sense policies were having during the Trump years. Do you think the Republican Party going into 2021, 2022, has the ability to swat away those distractions and get people to focus on not the bright, shiny little red herring that is of the, the me media message of the day, but the real stuff going on the ground. Yeah, well, I truly hope so. But, I, you know, it, it, it's tough for me because, you know, when you see, you know, Mitch McConnell, when you see this painting, you see still all of this divisive rhetoric within the party. Right. You know, fractured. But I think the Democrat Party is pretty fractured, too. Right. You got the moderates against the, yeah. the social. Right. That's right. The, the squad is always throwing a hand grenade somewhere. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's terrible, but at the same time, I think we did see a huge improvement in how, especially minorities, view the Republican Party when President Trump was in office, right? Um, before that, I mean, it was so hard to break those barriers. You know, everyone would say, oh, the Republicans are so racist, right? That was always the narrative. And so when President Trump got in office, like you said, he started doing those things uh, like the First Step Act you know, putting more funding into HBCUs, right. uh, black employment, lowest uh, ever. You know, there were so many things that some people were saying, oh, wait a minute. You know, now I kind of see. But if, if, the, if the Republican Party goes away from Trump and what he was doing, I don't think it's going to get any better. Because the establishment Republican Party that we saw for so long, so many people view that party as racist, right? Even though I don't believe they are. But that was always the perception. And so we've got to be that big tent party if we really, truly want to get more people to open up to the GOP. Yeah, and there's, there's no doubt about it that that is a key uh, thing. And, and I think the infighting, I said this on an interview yesterday on radio, uh, one of the, I had a chance to spend a day with um, President uh, George H.W. Bush before he passed. And it was really a remarkable day kind of hanging out with elder statesmen. And I asked him, what was the best piece of advice you ever got from uh, President Reagan? And he and he said to me, you know, after we had our bitter primary in 80 and, and he picked me for vice president or he was thinking about picking me for vice president, he said to me, uh, George, you know, the most important thing about Republicans, we should never pull our own hand grenade pin in our own foxhole. And I think there's a lot of wisdom to that, which is we don't, you know, the Republicans don't need to fight each other. They've got plenty of other things to fight in the world. And uh, we may be reaching that moment now where the internal fights just have to simply be shut off so that the bigger issues can, can be won. It'll be very interesting to see if this current leadership, 
can can pull it off. Yeah, it will. It will. And lucky you for, for leading President Bush. Wow. Um, you know, I, I love the way even he ran for president. I don't know if you probably remember or even I read about the fact that he would just travel the country. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, when, when do we get back to that? You know, yep. even when it was talking to real people. Yeah. Even when it wasn't during the election season, he was still out there on the ground meeting people and helping people understand who he was as a person. And so yeah. uh, I really admired that about him. And, and even with my pack now, we're supporting candidates across the country. And, and it's so great, you know, to go out to Arizona, to California, uh, to Georgia, Florida, and just meet people where they are and, and talk to them about some of the issues that they have. And, you know, it's, it's like getting out of that bubble. And, and I think sometimes we get so caught up in, in just the party and what's going on within the party yeah. that we don't realize you, we got to talk and, and, and meet with the voters. You know, they're the ones that are going to put us in the office. So, so it's tough, but I do think, like you said, we're making a change here. Um, that I'm excited about that, and, and I do hope that President Trump still remains uh, a political figure in, in, in the party in some capacity. Yeah, no, no doubt. Right? He seems intent on that from what we're, we're seeing every day as he gets his post-presidency communications infrastructure in place. You can see he's going to remain a force. I think the key is uh, the, what all of us will be watching in the you know the media space is can the party or in one direction? Because the Democrats did a really good job the last six or eight years in getting everybody to or in the same direction when it came to be election time. And whether right. that's the amount of money that came in, the amount of election rules that were changed, whatever it was, there was a level of discipline uh, that you know helps win elections. And I think Republicans need to, if they want to be on either footing, they got to they got to realize discipline, messaging, uh, getting to real people, and not fighting among your elitist selves is a much better recipe. And I think your your campaign showed, I mean, the progress that you made in the city of Baltimore, which, you know, mostly is written off by Republicans, showed that there's a way to start to have a, a, a dialogue, a, a conversation with people who haven't maybe been uh, Republican voters. When you look at some of the things that have happened in the last uh, few months, uh, uh, the reaction by some in the media and the Democratic establishment to Tim Scott's uh, uh, speech after Congress uh, the other day, uh, some of the what would people would argue is reverse uh, just, uh, racism now. Uh, do you think there's an opening to expose or to put Democrats on defensive that maybe some of the things they're doing inflames race rather than uh, improves it? Yeah, you know, for me, I don't, I don't think there's no reverse racism. I know that's what they're calling it, but racism right. is racism. That's right. right. And, you know, I, I was happy to see that the Democrat in Texas that called Senator Tim Scott Oreo yeah. did step down. Right. But just the audacity to think that you can say that about a sitting senator is unbelievable, you know? Um, and, and so I think a lot of it does come from the left, in my opinion, that fuels it. Um, I watched on, uh, I think it was MSNBC, Tiffany Cross, I even posted it on my, my Twitter feed. You know, she went through this whole rant, uh, basically calling Senator Tim Scott a traitor and a token and you know, someone that Harriet Tubman would leave behind. With right. her hmm. um, I thought, how could you be so despicable and, and rude? And, you know, this is a sitting senator. And the, my, my issue, too, is, you know, if, if you're really about black people being in office and then wanting to be in, in areas uh, where they have power within their communities, that would mean that you would want them on any side of the aisle, right? 
And so why on earth would we be attacking each other in the way that we are? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I felt so bad for Tender Scott. Uh, he's such a great guy. I don't know if you've ever met him, but I genuine, have him. very humble. Yeah, and I, I just couldn't believe it. But I know he knows that he's, you know, unfortunately has signed up for this. And so I know, too, I'm, I'm calling it traitor and a sellout every single day. Uh, but you just put it aside because at the end of the day, you know what's right. You know that you got to, you know, continue the fight. Uh, but I just wish there was a little bit more uh, an, uh, an environment where you could just have dialogue, right, where you could have a debate of, you know, policies or values or, you know, just anything other than just, you know, this is black, this is white, you know, this is Republican, this is Democrat. Just, we're, we're getting away from what we need to do to make meaningful changes. You know, we're talking about police reform, but I don't see anyone having a conversation about a meaningful way to reform the police department. We talk about the southern border. I don't see any conversations about how we actually do something uh, about, you know, maybe even helping South America with trade or anything to, to make it so that so many people don't want to flee right. those countries. You know, like, when are we going to get to the real crux of the conversation? Uh, we haven't talked about a balanced budget, I think, since George Bush was in office, right? <laughs> I mean, this is, to me, and, and we've gotten so far away from what people are elected to really focus on. And now it's all just about emotion. Yep, it has become, it's all about emotion and optics. And, and um, there's, I, I think the greatest divide in America right now is between those who are the elitists in power and those who have to live everyday life under the policies of the elitists. Do you think that that divide is going to be the issue upon which the 2022 election turns. Every election has a question, right? And and it seems like we're 40 years from the fame. It'll be 40 years this year. I remember it as a young young man that um, Ronald Reagan gave his acceptance speech in 81. And he said, folks, government isn't the solution. Government is the problem. And Joe Biden gave, I think, the antithesis of that speech last week when he basically said big government is the solution for everything we're going to try. What do you think the 2022 election turns on? And is the size and capability of government going to become, you know, one of the central issues for people to consider next year? I, I think it will. And I would say only, you know, mainly because of what happened as far as the schools during the pandemic. Right. You know, where I go out and talk to people, parents are pissed. And I think, you know, even, you know, moderate Democrats, independents, they're pissed. You know, I've seen I've had so many women that had to leave their jobs uh, to stay home and do mm. online learning for kids. Uh, you know, there were so many things that just weren't clear. You know, the CDC said something one day, the teachers union said something another day. Uh, it's just, it's a mess. And so there were so many kids that lost out on so much uh, as far as education, sports, you know, what they were considering as far as going off to college. Just so much was lost. I think at the ballot box, we're going to see so many parents that flip this thing on its head. And, and so I think, you know, that will be the silver lining in all of this when it comes down to, you know, what we endured during the pandemic. And I think a lot of it is when you look at it, the COVID crisis is the perfect example of how government just couldn't get anything right. It gave us so many mixed messages. Um, the people now taking credit for the vaccines were the people saying they wouldn't take the vaccines if Donald Trump developed them. Uh, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, six foot, no six foot, go on a cruise, don't go on a cruise. Um, we have, we, it's safe for kids to go to school, but we're not going to send them to school. I think that is the issue that is burbling below the radar that is going to be the most powerful issue in the next few months. 
how do we be, how do, you know, candidates and, and, and thought leaders like you go out and, and show the case that big government has really let us down. It hasn't succeeded. And all we do is spend a lot of money and get little in return. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, again, it's, it's going to take, you know, those, those conversations with small groups, you know, whether it's one-on-one or, you know, meeting and, you know, a school board meeting right. and you're with other parents. I mean, you really have to, you know, have these conversations talking about the fact that, like you said, big government, we, see, we saw what that looked like. We saw what it looked like even with the Affordable Care Act, right? right? Whenever they take on hold of something, you know, in its entirety, it's a mess. It's a debacle. And, and so people need to understand that and realize that we're having this battle right now in Baltimore where the progressive mayor basically wants to just do, you know, defunding the police and sending social workers out. It's like, are you kidding me? Could you imagine if a social worker showed up and, and someone that you thought had mental health issues, you know, also had a gun? You know what I mean? It's, right. It doesn't make any sense. And so we have to make sure people understand a lot of what we saw in the pandemic it could have been solved with personal responsibility. You know, if you have underlying conditions, you know, if you should stay away from grandma or grandpa, right. you know, it, it wasn't something that had to be mandated. And same with the Affordable Care Act, you know, we shouldn't have health care mandates. These, these are things that we as a people should have choices when it comes down to. And so hopefully, like I said, just really talking more about what the kids missed this past year or so, um, hopefully more people, adults will say, you know what, you're right. We can't even afford to go down that road again. Yeah. So let's not, let's not do that twice. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Kimberly, how do folks follow what you're doing? Cause you've got so many great initiatives going on. What's the best way to stay in touch with all the things that you're doing today? Okay. Thank you. Um, redrenaissance.com is, is the PAC's uh, website. We have on there all the candidates that we're supporting, everything that we're doing. And then of course on Twitter, I'm Kim K Baltimore. Facebook and Instagram is just Kimberly Classic, K-L-A-C-I-K. Awesome. Well, folks should definitely stay in touch. I, I, every day I hear, I, I, I have touched someone and said, yeah, have you seen what Kimberly's done? Did you see what she said? And you, you really have created an energy and an excitement on, on, in the Republican Party that is needed. And, and also, uh, there's, a, there's a generational change that's eventually going to take place in the Republican Party. And it's interesting as someone who's covered the party and politics for 30 years, to see the excitement about a generation of young people coming up in the Republican Party that have new ideas, new ways of communicating. So I know folks are going to learn a lot by watching you in action. Oh, I appreciate that. I really do. Well, that's great, Kimberly. Well, we'll get you back on the show, too. We'd love to, love to have a great conversation. I really enjoyed today's conversation very much. Thank you. Yep, I'd love to be back. Just give me a call. All right. It's a deal. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. 
The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. All right, folks, that wraps up not only another edition of John Solomon Reports, it wraps up the week. We made it through the week. How about that? And I know you got a lot of plans for the weekend. Hopefully the weather will be good. You'll have time for family. It's Mother's Day. If you haven't gotten that gift, remember, Mom, it's not too late. Get out there, get her, maybe get her some Kansas City steaks, or how about a portrait uh, from our good friends at Paint Your Life, all the different uh, opportunities that we have in uh, our great sponsors. There's some gifts still there. Whatever you're thinking, go out, have a great weekend, celebrate your mom, uh, and uh, enjoy your family. And may God bless you, and may God bless this great country of America, as he always has, the United States of America. God bless, Godspeed. Talk to you on Monday.